Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Good morning, Crosswalk. Welcome. It's great to see all of you. My name is Jeff. I'm uh, one of the two pastors here, Pastor Dan, you met earlier. And I'm so excited to get this shift series started. And we're going to dive right in. So reach inside your program, pull out your crosswalk notes. Here at Crosswalk, we encourage everyone to bring a Bible. In fact, that might be one of the little shifts that that you make in your Sunday experiences. Just start bringing your Bible to church. If, you, uh, if you're uncomfortable with uh, having your phone out and your Bible app open, that's another little shift that you can make. Get that Bible app open. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today, and uh, starting at verse 24. But before we read it, and while you're still getting your Bibles open, I want you to, to ponder this question. Do you believe the lie? The lie that is so prevalent in our culture today that it is, it literally can be found everywhere and it's told over and over and over again. And many of us, even many of us who count ourselves as Christ followers, believe this lie. One of the most recent examples of the lie is in a television commercial that if you, like me, watch a little bit of of football today will probably see on television is a commercial for the Arizona Lottery. Have you seen it? In this commercial, there's a beautiful young couple, and they are clearly happy, overjoyed. He's taking her out on a date. They've got really styling clothes on, and he holds his hand open to show her that they're going on this date on a jet. It's straight out of The Bachelor. This is going to be an amazing day. Then they switch to another scene where they're camping and clearly all they're they're in this most gorgeous location. They've got the best and the latest equipment. They're driving great cars. And then the last scene that you'll see is of this beautiful couple in a convenience store. And here's the dialogue. It all started with a dream. It all started with a dream and then a sense of adventure. And of course, that wonderful winning lottery ticket. Do you see what the lie is? The lie is what I would call the one big move lie. That there's one big move that you can make in your life. One, one big thing that might happen to you or that you might provoke, whether it's buying a lottery ticket, that, that, that one big move is going to completely change everything in your life for the positive. It's going to be the walk-off home run for you. It's going to be the Hail Mary pass that is going to give you the winning touchdown at the end of the game. So many of us believe that if I just, if I had this new job, I'd finally enjoy my work. If I could just get past this, this last money challenge, then I'd, I'd be happy. If I could just do this one more big thing, all would be good in my life. The one big move lie. And I was, I was curious, how prevalent is this one big move lie? There's one big move that I could make that would change everything for me. And I, I encountered a, a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Pfeffer. He's a professor at the University of Stanford. And uh, he, he really has some very interesting things to say. And I, w- I want to read one of those to you. People who wish they had more power, he writes, often try to find the one big move that will land them in a position of authority. Now, I want you to take this in the right way. He's obviously talking about the business world here. He's a professor of business and how people try to get more power in the business world. But as we've talked so many times at Crosswalk, this, this could even apply in terms of gaining power over yourself, taking responsibility for your own life. And I, I think so often we believe that, that we're looking for the one big move. And he says this, that is always a long shot. 
And in any event, it misses the reality that most people can start with a small start, with a small power base and build from there, which means it's possible for almost any one of us in any position to begin building power over ourselves and then influence over others through, and here's the important words, through unspectacular moves. Through unspectacular moves. Do you know what's the problem with that, though? Compare an unspectacular, unnoticeable, small shift in your life to a Hail Mary pass, a walk-off home run, a winning lottery ticket. And unspectacular seems so boring. Most of us don't even want to consider it because it's unspectacular. That's what's the problem with unspectacular. It's hardly noticeable, and most of us don't want to do those little things that can make a huge difference in our lives. But here's what I'm here to tell you. This series, which we've called Shift, is not about the walk-off home run. It's not about the Hail Mary pass. It's not about the one big shift or the one big move that you can take that is going to change everything in your life. This series and what we're going to be talking about for the next six weeks is really about the little, tiny, unspectacular moves and shifts that you can take that will, in the end, if you repeat them over and over and over again, make a huge, a humongous difference in your life. One of those is one we're going to read about today, a shift in your Sunday experience. And I want to start this now by reading what Jesus has to say about making that shift in our Sunday experience. Take a look at your crosswalk notes, or if you've got your Bible open, then go ahead and uh, open it up to Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. You know, there's a decidedly small and unspectacular move that... Years ago, people used to make regularly, and in our culture, we've gone away from it, haven't we? There's a man by the name of Tom Rainer who was re- recently asked, for example, why, why does church attendance in our country seem to be steadily declining all the time? And so Rainer went out, he's a researcher, and he specializes on doing research in churches. He went out to try to find the answer to that question. And in an article he wrote, and he said, you know, a lot of people are assuming that the decline in church attendance in our country is due to the major cultural shift that we're all seeing, that we're all experiencing. And he says, I don't deny that part of the decline in church attendance is due to the fact that our culture in general has moved away from Christianity and from faith in Jesus Christ as God and Savior and Lord. He says, there's no question that that is affecting church attendance. But he said, there's another reason... And one that most people don't even think about, but I discovered it in my research. Do you know what it was? Stated simply, Rainer writes, the number one reason for the decline in church attendance is that members attend with less frequency than they did just a few years ago. You hear that? Not culture. Not People out there in our community, members, members attend less 
with less frequency than they did just a few years ago. And so if members attend two times a month or three times a month rather than four times a month, what does that do as you count heads in church on a Sunday? Of course, it appears, even though you have the same number of members, that your attendance is declining, doesn't it? And that begs the question, do we believe that coming to church on Sunday is important? Do we, do we see that it is something vitally important to listen to the words of Jesus as we just read? Everyone who hears these words of mine? You see, uh, I would compare coming to church if you if you're, consider your week to be a sprint, I would compare coming to church as getting out of the blocks. Now, I don't know how many of you out there were ever sprinters, but let me tell you that compared to the rest of your race, the one thing that you practice intently over and over and over again, if you are a sprinter, that me, <laughs> is getting out of the blocks. Because that's the most important part of the race is how you get out of the blocks. And if you don't get out of the blocks in a good way, the rest of your race is already shot. And see, this is, this is really what Jesus is teaching us in this parable about the importance of listening to his word and setting aside a little bit of time in every week so that we can get out of the blocks in a good way. We can start our week strong. So here's what I want you to ask yourself, and you can write this down. Do I start my week strong? Or does my Sunday maybe need an overhaul? Now, again, I could summarize this message in 15 seconds, but I can't say anything in 15 seconds. Most people say I can't even say hello in 15 seconds. But this message is really pretty simple. It is critically important to come to church each and every week and listen to the words of Jesus. Critically important. That's why Jesus starts with that phrase. Everyone who hears these words of mine. Many, many times, Jesus says in the Gospels, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. We'll read one of those passages a little bit later on. And do you know why... Why God wants us to have a time set aside for him every week? Because it's, just not, it's funny because going to church is not really about going to church. It's kind of an irony. And if you make going to church about going to church, then you make your relationship with Jesus a business relationship. Well, I can check that off. God, Jesus gave me a to-do. Click. Going to church is not about going to church. Going to church is about having a heart that's genuine for Jesus. That wants a sincere and deep relationship with Jesus the way Jesus wants a sincere and deep and heartfelt relationship with you. Check out this passage. Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Now, understand, when he calls people hypocrites here, he is not talking to the Roman soldiers who are occupying the land of Palestine talking to believers here. And as he talks to believers, he says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. And hip hypocrite is, has a simple definition. It's a person who wears a mask, a fake person. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Can you hear Jesus begging these people? I want to have a heart relationship with you. You Come to church all you want. Praise me all you want. Spend all your time in the synagogue, Jesus says. Follow me around. Th these words that we're studying today from Matthew 7 are from the Sermon on the Mount. Hundreds and thousands of people were following Jesus around and he sits them all down on this hillside. And they're listening to him, but what he really wants is their hearts. What he really wants from you is your heart. 
And when you come to church, that's still what Jesus is seeking. Not, not that you can say, check that box, but that you're here going, I am ready to hear from Jesus because he is my savior, my Lord, my best friend. He doesn't want us to let our hearts get far from him. And there's one other reason why God wants us to be in church regularly. And that's because he knows what we're going to encounter each and every week. See, Jesus knows really well that life is going to throw stuff at us. It's going to be a constant thing and that we have to always be prepared for what's going to come. Troubles, heartaches, turmoil, difficulty, hardship. Do you realize that? If, if we want to talk about a small shift, here's one of the very first shifts that you can make in your life. Don't expect life to be easy. Don't expect life to be a string of fun, one great, fun, light, easy, wonderful success after another. Do you see what Jesus says here? Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Why did he have to build his house on a rock? You see what Jesus says next? The rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. This, these words that we're looking at today in the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached, these are the last words Jesus says. And, and, and in fact, he, he spent Matthew 5, 6, and 7 a long time just laying out all these things that he wants the people to know and follow the truth that he wants them to have for their life. And then at the very end, he says, guys, <laughs> these truths are so that you can build a strong foundation for your life. Why? Because in this world, you will have trouble. You, you, you are going to constantly be challenged by the events and the relationships that you encounter in life because you are a sinner and you're going to fall short and because you're surrounded by sinners and they're going to fall short and that doesn't make for great chemistry. So the rain's going to fall. The wind's going to blow. The streams are going to rise. And in fact, if we could look at the Greek, every one of those verbs is kind of interesting because they all indicate a level of violence. It's, it's not like, a warm little zephyr is going to create a little breeze. And the rain is going to gently fall like it is out there. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Je Jesus is saying the wind is going to blow like a tornado violently. It's going to be beating against your house. The rain is going to fall like a deluge. And it is going to be coming down and just to be out and it is going to be threatened to be drowned. And the streams are going to rise rapidly in your life. And you and I, we've been there, haven't we? And Jesus loves us so much. And he says, I want you to be prepared. When, when you leave this afternoon, do you know? Are you expecting the winds are going to blow violently? The rain's going to fall. And I, I don't mean like the rain we're having today is beautiful. But I mean, spiritually, this stuff is going to be happening. And it's going to beat against your house. See what Jesus says in, in John 16? I have told you thing, these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have, let's say it all together, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, he says. You got me. And I have overcome the world. So write this down. Sunday's purpose. Jesus wants me to be prepared for the storms that are going to be inevitable in my life. And this is throughout the Bible too. In the book of 1 Peter, we read this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you. 
as though something strange were happening to you. Do you think it's strange that you're going through fiery ordeals? The apostle Peter says, stop it. It's not strange. Your fiery ordeals are something that are common. Didn't Jesus say the winds are going to blow violently and the, and the rain's going to fall violently and the streams are going to rise violently in your life? So build a solid foundation, Jesus says. And how do you do that? Today we're talking about a shift in your Sunday experience. Like I said, I, I could summarize this so easily. Come to church. There, that's the sermon. Come to church each and every Sunday. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little bit more with it than that. If you're a guest today, for example, this is what I would say to you. First of all, we warmly welcome you. We're so excited that you came. We love it that someone invited you or that you somehow found us online or, or got a postcard from us. Whatever it was that drew you here, we're excited. And it's wonderful that you're here. And maybe the shift in your Sunday experience is if you don't have a church home, just just find one. And we'd love for Crosswalk to be your church home and start going to church. Just make that little, it's unspectacular. I realize that. It it doesn't sound like a walk-off home run. It doesn't sound like a Hail Mary pass. It's an unspectacular little shift. Start coming to church every Sunday. And we'd love to have you here. If, if you're a person that's been coming to Crosswalk for a while and you've, you've been attending once a, a month or twice a month, I want to invite you to, to amp that up a little bit. Go from once a month or twice a month to every Sunday. You need this. You need to get out of the blocks in a good way. And Jesus wants to help you. He wants to run this race with you because he wants you to win the crown at the end of the race. And if those of you who are in here thinking, oh, I'm off the hook. Pastor Jeff, won. he just said, come to church every Sunday. Got that down, check. Here's what I want to say to you. Do you really have this? If you're coming to church every Sunday? Because I maintain that you can come to church every Sunday and not have this. If you, if you come to church, and pastors get to see interesting things because I, I can see what's going on out there. It's... It's quite amusing. Pastors can be talking like this with one side of their brain and be noticing the wife doing that to her husband when he's preaching something on the other. And, and here's what I want to encourage you to come every Sunday to do. Come in and be ready to be engaged. I mean really actively engaged with Jesus and with his words and his truths. I, I love when I see people, they got the notes out and they're writing on those. Sometimes people have little notebooks, little binders that they put their notes in and they're furiously scribbling during the mess and they got their Bible open on their other knee and they're paging through and looking because they're here and they know if I'm going to get the maximum out of this message, I need to be really engaged with it. I can't come here for my weekly nap. Now, I don't begrudge a man his nap. I love my naps. But if you want the best that Jesus has to offer you, come in here and be ready to learn, to really listen to Jesus. Imagine yourself sitting on this hillside each and every Sunday with Jesus. And it's, you know, here's what I say when people ask me, what's the schedule? When are you up? And when is Pastor Dan up? And is Phil ever going to be back up here? Because I love the way he preaches. I said, I'm not letting Phil get back up there again because I love the way he preaches too. And I don't want people to get spoiled. I say it doesn't matter because you're not here to hear Phil or Pastor Dan or Pastor Jeff. You know who you're here to hear? Jesus. And Phil or Pastor Dan or Pastor Jeff, all we're doing is we're trying to tell you what Jesus says. And we're all a little bit different, so we do it a little bit differently, but, but it all comes down to this. And when we prepare our messages, you know what's the number one thing that we, we ask ourselves every week? How can this be practical teaching? You know what's beautiful about the word of God? We don't have to ask ourselves the question, how can we make this practical teaching? Because it is practical teaching. 
It already is. It all is. It's useful to us. All we have to do is uncover and reveal the usefulness of it. And every week, we sit down together, the three of us, and we prepare the message. Most of my good stuff, it's from Pastor Dan. I just don't tell you that. Because we want it to be useful to you and practical to you. And we want you, we're asking you, on the other hand, to come in and really listen for those practical things in the message and be prepared and be engaged and make that shift. Even if you already come to church every Sunday, that's a little tiny shift that you can make. We want you to have the peace that only Jesus offers because he's overcome the world. That's Sunday's purpose, to prepare you for the storms and, and your approach, what I'm talking about here, and here's what you can write down is, I will be prepared for the storm if when I come to church on Sunday, I'm open to being convicted and convinced by Jesus' words. In other words, do you come to church and, and, and do you think to yourself, pastor's going to show me the man that God wants me to be or the woman that God wants me to be. He's going to put an image of that man or woman up for me verbally. And he's going to want me to look at myself honestly in the mirror, see the man in the mirror and go, how well do you match up to this image from God's word of the man or woman that God wants you to be? Do you match it? And you know what the answer is always going to be? No, I don't. Because I'm a sinner. And I'm always off. Sometimes I'm a half a hair off and sometimes I'm miles off. But the first thing is to get convicted, to honestly look inside our own chest, inside our own heart, and see who we really are right now and compare that with who God wants us to be. But once we're convicted, it doesn't end there. It goes on to being convinced. And especially to being convinced of God's unconditional and amazing love for us. You remember that song that we sung just a few minutes ago? I love that song. His love never fails, right? It never runs out. It never gives up. That's Jesus' love for you. A love that never fails never gives up, never runs out on you. It's the love that caused him willingly to go to the cross for you so that your sins could be forgiven. And so that when you come to church, every week you can hear from Jonathan, your, your sins are forgiven, you're free. You don't have to carry a bunch of baggage around in your life. Cut it loose, give it to Jesus, send it to the cross where it's forgiven and gone. And we all need to hear that. We need to, we need to get out of the blocks first and foremost by hearing Jesus has given us so many wonderful blessings in that good news. Do you know, for example, that you should shift based on what the Bible teaches you from going, I don't know who I am, to I know exactly who I am. Because Jesus has given me a new identity. I am a dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I know who I am. Do you know that you should shift and that you can shift because of the gospel from, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how this is all going to end up to, I know exactly where I'm going and how it's all going to end up. I know my eternal destiny because Jesus died and he rose again and he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, he's going to come with me into heaven. He's going to live because I live. I know how it's going to end up for me. By God's free grace and love as a gift to me. Do you know that you should shift based on the gospel from, I don't see any purpose in this life. I don't see why I'm here. To clearly... I know it's a li- it seems like maybe just the dumbest little shift, but it's huge. I do have purpose in this life because Jesus took me off the ash heap of my sins, cleaned them all off, gave me a robe of righteousness and said, here, you have a purpose in life. Serve me, glorify me. 
love me. That's your purpose. All the other stuff you do, those are just cover stories. This is your real purpose. Do you know that you can shift from, I don't have any possibilities in life, to I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You see, every week we need to hear that beautiful gospel of all that Jesus has won and all that Jesus has done for us. And that's why we got to get out of the blocks by coming and hearing this over and over and over again. Samuel Johnson said, most of us don't really need to be instructed as much as we need to be reminded. And that's so true. My Sunday approach, I'm going to be prepared for the storm and have a solid foundation if I'm open to being convicted and convinced by Jesus' words. In other words, to being good soil. Still other seed, it says in Luke 8, 8. This is Jesus talking. Fell on good soil. This is what Jesus wants. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Turn your page over. The other day, Julie and I were on a hike up in Oak Creek Canyon. And uh, we read the directions of, of where to go. And we thought, you know, this looks pretty easy. We don't need to take a map with us. And so we started out on this trail. And it was straight up the side of Oak Creek Canyon uh, on the end up toward the, the Flagstaff end. Beautiful hike. And uh, we hiked for about two, two and a half miles, and we got to this place, which was a, a little bigger, more uh, well-marked path that went to the left and to the right. But you know what the problem was? There was no sign to tell us which way to go. You know what the other problem was? We decided, we chose not to bring a map. So guess what we did? We looked at the, at the trail we said, that's going downhill, and we know we have to go downhill, so let's go left. And we started hiking, and it went down for a little while, and then it went back up again. And we hiked a little bit further, and we saw it going down again. We thought, okay, here you go. It's going down again. And then it came back up again. And we got fully, fully a mile down that path, if not more, before we thought, this is not the path. We, we took the wrong turn. And so we had to turn around, come back, get back to the original junction of the two paths and go. And then, even then, it didn't look like it was the right path at first because we missed a little path that we were supposed to go on off that major road that wasn't well marked because, once again, we had chosen not to bring a map. Eventually, we found the trail, and I'm here today. That's the good news. We were mighty tired when we got back to the truck. And when I told some good friends of ours last night at the Saturday night service uh, about this hike, and I said, it's a beautiful hike. The only problem was we took one long, wrong turn. It added a couple miles to the hike. You know what she said to me? We usually bring a map when we hike. You, do you see why you need Sundays? Because too many of us are hiking without a map, and it's a choice we've made. And, and in our lives, we don't know whether to go left or right, so we go with what looks good at first, and then all of a sudden, we're, we're going up when we should be going down. And, and, and since we don't know which way to turn, we're not doing exactly what God would have us do. And that's the second part to this. This is the important part to it. I want, I want to take you back to the first verse. Uh, go back to the front page, to the top. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. We underline that, and puts them into practice. This is an important and is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew, the storms of life hit and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But now the story continues. Dot, dot, dot. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And what happened to this foolish man? The storms of life came, just like Jesus said. The storms of life hit the wise and they hit the foolish. By the way, that word in the Greek is moros. You know what English word we get that get from that word? Moron. The person who builds this way is a moron. And how does he build? He hears these words of mine, but does not put them into practice. And when the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell with a great crash. You know what's the problem with too many of us? And trust me, I've been there with you. <laughs> We're only trying to build the foundation after the streams have, uh, have rose, after they've risen. We're swimming around in the, in, the, in the stream and we're drowning and we're saying, now I guess I've learned I need to build a foundation. Jesus says, build the foundation before the storm comes. Don't be swimming around, lost in the storms of life, turning left when you should have gone right, and then try to get a good foundation when you're, when you're going through the troubles and the trials and the tribulations and the hurts and the pain, when you've lost your job, when you've contracted the illness, when you've, when, when you've got the injury, when your relationship is falling apart, that is not the time to build the foundation. Jesus says, anticipate, anticipate. The storms are gonna come. Build the foundation now. Listen to my words. Put them into practice. Do you see what the only difference between the wise builder and the moron is? Did you notice that? A lot of people think that Jesus says, but he doesn't say. The wise builder listened to the word of God and put it into practice. The moron, the foolish builder, did not listen to God's word and did not put it into practice. That is not what Jesus says. What's the same about these two? If you look carefully, they're both listening to the word of God. But the reason the second guy doesn't have a solid foundation is because he's not putting the words of God into practice. He comes to church. He's in a growth group. He's having home devotions every night with his kids, reading from the Bible, praying with them. But the moment he gets up from the dinner table, the moment he walks out of the door on a Sunday, boop, it's all gone. He doesn't put it into practice. Now, I want you to think about this. Today's opening day is one of the best things about today, right after this being a series opener for Crosswalk. And that is that the NFL starts to play today. Can you imagine Carson Palmer coming up to coach Bruce Arians after throwing an interception and defending himself by saying, but coach, coach, I have the playbook completely memorized. Coach, I can quote chapter and verse to you from this playbook. Coach, I know this playbook inside and out. What's coach Arians going to say? You know what he's going to say? You know why you threw that interception is because you didn't run the play. Yeah, you know the play, you've got it up here, but you're not running the play the way it was designed to be run. Let me tell you, a lot of us Christians, we're doing the same thing. We're hearing God's word, we're coming to church, we're in a growth group. And then we go out, we we don't run the play. We don't take Jesus' words and put them into practice in in our lives. We don't make it practical and real in our own lives. Take a look at what Jesus' brother James says about that. Right at the top of the second page. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. James is saying it's like you drive past a speed limit sign 
on the freeway that says drive 55 and two seconds later you've forgotten that it said 55 and you're going 85. Dumb, moronic. You open a, a, a bottle of prescription drugs that says only take two tablets and you take a handful because you forgot what you just read. It's stupid. Don't just merely listen. Do what it says. That's what James is saying. It's what Jesus is saying. Take these words that we hear on Sunday morning. Here's what I want you to write down. My Sunday stretch. Here's how you want, I want you to stretch out your Sunday. I will be prepared for the storm. That's what PFTS means. Prepared for the storm. If the sermon is only half finished when Sunday worship is over. In other words... Are we going to walk out the door today and put all of this stuff that that we've heard into practice? Next week, when church rolls around again, are we going to be here so that we can get out of the blocks? This week, when, when growth groups start, are we going to go so we can surround ourselves with other believers, listen to Jesus' words, process it together, Ask ourselves, how can we put this into practice in our lives? Or are we going to forget what we've heard today? Or are we going to live what we've heard today? Look at what Jesus says. If you hold, and this word means hold tightly to my teachings, then you are really my disciples. And then I want you to read this last verse with me. Will you, let's all read it together. Verse 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will Yeah, set you free. Set you free. That's what Jesus in his love wants to do. Set you free from your sins, your guilt, your shame, your inactivity, your hurt, your pain. He wants to set you free from all of that. James, again, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. You see why I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to make this little shift in your life? I, I realize this is not dramatic. It's really unspectacular for me to kick off a series and say, here's, here's all I want you to do. One little shift in your Sunday experience. Come to church. Just come to church. Sit at the feet of Jesus. And, and then when you go out of church... Empowered by his word. Just just take those words and put them into practice in your life. There's a powerful question that I want to teach you to ask yourself. You ready for this? Do I really believe that what I believe is really real? You follow me on that? Let me say it again. Do I really believe that what I believe is really real? Because if you do, then you got to run the play. Like if Carson Palmer believes that Coach Arians has put together the right playbook for him, then he can't just go out there and make stuff up on his own. He's got to run the playbook. And if I believe that what I believe is really real, I'm going to run the playbook. Here's what I want you to write. Active listening plus active practice equals a solid foundation for the storms of life. Build that foundation now before the storms hit, before the wind beats against your house, before the rains just fall and melt your house, before the streams rise and carry your house away. Build the foundation now by active listening to Jesus' words and then active practice of Jesus' words. And here's the last question, why? Why? Why even, why even believe this is true? Why even believe that this is the right way to go? Here's why. Let's go back to the front page one last time. I want you to notice what happens at the very end of this Sermon on the Mount after Jesus says, and it fell with a great crash. Did you notice? Did you notice the response, the reaction from the people who were listening? When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. 
because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. They were amazed. They were blown away. They were saying to themselves, this is the man. This this dude is incredible. He teaches like no one has ever taught before. I've never heard teaching like this. He has authority. And guys, brothers, sisters, that Jesus and that authority is still right here with us today. And it is amazing. And that's why we listen to his words. Because this is Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. The creator of heaven and earth. This is Jesus. And his words are truth. And his truth sets us free. It makes the most incredible difference in our lives. If we just shift into his words. Found in the Bible. His truth. And act on those. Look at what it says about Jesus' authority. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. John 5, 27. Look at that carefully. God the Father has given him, Jesus, the authority to judge because he's the son of man. One day, all of us are going to find ourselves at the gate of heaven. Every last one of us. And you know the old saying, don't you? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Do you want to know the gatekeeper? You want to be prepared for that day when you are at the gate of heaven? It will be who you know on that day. And who is it that will have the authority to judge? Whether to swing that gate of heaven open or to say, no, I'm sorry, that that gate to, to eternal life in my presence is shut to you. You go to the other gate. Jesus Christ. This is Jesus, the one who loves us, who died for us, who rose for us. We want to know the gatekeeper. Why do we listen to these words of Jesus? Luke 5, 24 says, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. We want to know these words because this is the guy that can cut loose all our baggage. All our sin, all our mistakes, all our errors that we've made. All the times we've fallen short and missed the mark, Jesus cuts it all loose and forgives it. He has the authority to do just that because of his death and resurrection. You want to go through life dragging your baggage and your history around all the time? Or, or would you like to come and start this week knowing that it's going to bring storms, not weighed down by all your past sins? I know I, I would love... And T.S. Eliot says it so beautifully. We call, what we call the beginning is often the end. See, this is Sunday. On every calendar, this is the first day of the week. We call it the beginning. But what we call the beginning is really the end. We come here so that we can, through the blood of Jesus, put an end to our past. And cut all that sin loose so that we can go into this new week free of guilt and shame, and sin. And then finally this. Do you know why it's Sunday? Not Wednesday. Not Friday. Do you know why we meet on Sunday morning? Because Jesus rose on a Sunday morning. And the early church, the history of worshiping on Sunday, not Saturday as they did in the Old Testament, was that every Sunday was a celebration of God's great power and his authority to overcome death for us. And so when we come, it's to party, it's to celebrate, it's to say, yes, we are free because just as Christ rose, we've risen to live a new life here and to live an eternal life in heaven. As it says here in John chapter 10, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And then Eliot goes on to say, to make an ending, 
to sin, guilt, and shame. He doesn't add those words. To make an ending is to make a beginning. By hearing those words of forgiveness, by hearing the gospel, we make an end of our guilt, our shame, and our sin, and we equip ourselves to make a beginning in the new week. We can get out of the block strong. When you think about it, that's a pretty long ball. For me, as deep as I am in my sin, Jesus really did throw a Hail Mary pass, and he connected. It's a walk-off home run for me that Jesus died and rose again. He's the winning ticket, not just for me, but for you too, and how beautiful that is. So let's make that little shift and say, I'm going to go and start my week strong every week by being in church. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, Jesus says. Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, we are so grateful for Sundays, and we thank you that you have given us Jesus and these true words of his so that we can always come back to his truth and be convicted and convinced by these truths. Lord, as as we are convicted of our sins and as we are convinced of your grace and forgiveness, now motivate us to go out of this room convinced also that this sermon is only half done, that we are going out now to take your words that we've heard, that we've been convicted by and convinced of, and put them into practice in our lives. And I ask you to send your Holy Spirit and help each person in this room to recommit their heart to you, Jesus, and show it by making that little tiny shift of committing to be in church each and every Sunday. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. St. Francis of Assisi said, Start by doing what's necessary, like coming to church. Then do what's possible, and suddenly you'll find yourself doing the impossible. Start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and soon you'll find yourself doing the impossible. Let me send you out into your week to face those storms with Jesus and his word with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you back here next week.